Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church today. So glad that you're with us. Great to be in church today. Nice to see everyone. And uh, we're going to make a start. And welcome to those who are joining us online today. I just pray that you can stay with us all the way through. Um, just for those who are online, we will be doing communion today. So if you want to take a moment to get yourself prepared for that, that would be great. And uh, welcome to everyone here today. And uh, I'm just so glad that we're here. I'm so glad that we can gather in God's presence. And my, my prayer often, in fact, regularly every week for our gatherings is that we experience the presence of God. Because that's we've come here to experience God, to encounter God, to worship God. And that's my prayer today. And I was just thinking about um, the way that we would open up our service today. And I just want to read a verse or two from Psalm 9, and it's verses 9 and 10. It says, The Lord is a stronghold. Other translations use the word refuge. The Lord is our stronghold, a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Are you glad that God's a stronghold in times of trouble? I don't know about you, I am. I'm so glad because when the times of trouble come, and they do come, we know that God is our refuge. He is our strength. But it goes on to say, And those who know your name, put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. That's so true. That's, I've found that to be true in my own life. He has never forsaken those who seek him. Every time I seek God, I find God. No matter what's happening in life, it can be great times or troubled times. When we seek God, we find him. And that's what Jesus said as well. Seek and you'll find. And so I, I, I pray that as we just pray again today for the service, for the presence of God, that we seek God today. Seek him in our worship. Seek him in everything that happens today. Seek him as we're taking communion. Father, we just pray that you would come upon this service today. Father, that you would anoint every single person who is here in person today. Father, those who are gathered online. Father, we pray just for that experience of your presence today. Lord, we know that you never leave us, you never forsake us. But Father, we're looking for that a demonstration of your presence as we gather to worship you today. Father, we've come to worship you in spirit and in truth, and Lord, we know that you inhabit the praises of your people. But Father, we're just asking that we would experience your presence in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh. We need to be filled with your Holy Spirit, Father, filled afresh every day. And Father, we ask that you'd send the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and to presence yourself in this service today we ask in Jesus name amen amen let's let's stand to worship God today if you're able
is our prayer, that song, the words of that song are our prayer today. Father, that you would breathe miracles. Father, we see just from the very outset in Scripture how your spirit hovered over the waters, Father, to bring creation into being, the Ruach, the very breath of God. Your spirit was hovering over the waters. And Father, there are some in our fellowship today who need to just experience the the breath of your spirit hovering over them today in order to create new life. Father, in order to bring healing, in order to bring restoration. And so, Father, that is our prayer today. And Lord, as we continue to worship you, Father, may we just experience and receive those miracles that we need today from you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
worship you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. Father, we worship you. We give you praise and honor and glory. We give you thanks for the blessings which you pour out upon us day after day after day. And Father, we thank you that we can come into your very presence and worship and praise and prayer. Father, in every moment of our lives, Father, we know that you're never apart from us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Father, we thank you for your Father, your enduring presence. And Lord, we pray that as we come around the communion today, Father, we ask for that continued sense of your presence. Father, that you would come and that you would minister into our hearts. Father, we just take a moment this morning to confess, Father, those things within our hearts which make us unworthy. Lord, you encourage us to examine our own hearts. Father, to take bread and wine and, and to eat and drink in a way which is worthy of the name of Jesus. And Father, we just take a moment to confess anything in our lives. Father, whether knowingly or unknowingly, Father, any way where we have caused you harm by the way that we have thought, spoken, or acted, or Father, maybe in a way where we've not said something that we should have, and Father, when we've not done something that we should have, Father, whether it's things that we've done or things that we've not done, Father, we take a moment to confess those things before you today. And Lord, we ask for your presence in our hearts as we take bread, as we take wine today, in Jesus' name. You may just want to just grab a seat for a moment. Just going to read a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it's Paul that's writing to the church here. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And there's another little verse from Corinthians right at the very beginning of this letter where Paul says this, he, talking about Jesus, is the source of your life. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Big words, aren't they? Jesus became our righteousness. He is the one who makes us right with God. He became our sanctification, the one who sets us apart and makes us holy. He became our redemption, the one who buys us back into the family of God. We are adopted into God's family. And I don't know if you remember way, way back at the beginning of lockdown, we did a communion service at Easter online on Facebook, and I referenced the cups, 
that Jesus would have used when he was at Passover with his disciples. Four different cups. The first one is the cup of sanctification. The remembering when God brought the Hebrews out of Israel and rescued them. The second one is the cup of deliverance, where God set them free from their bondage, set them free from their oppression. And we need to remember that in the Old Testament, Egypt is a type, it's a symbol of the world and all the world's systems. And so God is bringing them out of that. God is delivering them from that and setting them free. And that's what he does with us when we become a Christian. The third cup is the cup that Jesus takes up with his disciples. And he says, this is the cup of redemption. This is the cup where I remember that we're buying you back. God has bought us back. God has made us sons and daughters in his kingdom. We are adopted into his family. If you have become a Christian, then you're adopted into the family of God. You've been bought back by the blood of Jesus. And the last cup, I think it's when he said, I'll not drink of this cup again until I see you in the kingdom. When the kingdom comes, when Jesus comes back again, and that fourth cup is the cup of restoration, where God will call us out, where God will make us his own people. He's already in the process of doing that, but there will come a time where he will complete that work, when the church will be called out and called up to meet God. And that's what we look forward to. And when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, what he is saying is that when we take the bread, we're remembering that body of his which was broken. When we take the wine, we're remembering the blood of Jesus which was shed for us on the cross and even leading up to that cross. And so we're eternally grateful to God today. We're eternally grateful to Jesus. You know, when I email out and I talk about the church family, I say, hi, church family. When I say that, I'm addressing people who are adopted into the family of God. It's not just a social community. It's the very family of God. We're adopted into his family. And so as we take bread and wine today, let's remember that we are his, that we are bought with a price. We're redeemed by a price, the very blood of Jesus himself. So let's just pray as we prepare to take bread. Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus, which was broken for us. Lord, help us never to take that for granted. Help us never to forget Father, help us to never forget that he took upon himself the very sins of the world. He took upon himself our sin, and when his body was broken, it was broken for us. And so, Father, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you thanks. We give you glory. And, Father, we worship you today for that body which was broken for us. Father, we thank you that he has done this for us. Let's just take bread as we remember Jesus today. Let's take it together. Thank you, Lord. And Father, as we take this wine, we remember the blood of Jesus which was shed for us. Father, in Isaiah, and his prophecy, 700 years before Jesus even came onto the planet as a human being, he prophesied that by his stripes we are healed. And Father, we thank you that in the shedding of Jesus' blood there is healing and there is forgiveness, there is deliverance, there is the power to set us free. Father, there's the power to cover a multitude of sins. And Father, we thank you 
that that blood was shed for us on the cross. And so, Father, we remember affectionately something which, Father, is just so difficult to take in. But, Father, we remember Jesus today with that deep gratitude in our heart. Father, that we can be set free. Father, that we can know what it is to be in the family of God, to be adopted as your sons and daughters. So, Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory, and we worship you today. Father, just through the very act of taking wine. And Father, we pray that as we take the wine, Father, we pray that we would experience the healing that is in those stripes. Father, for the many in our church family who need a physical healing, Father, we pray that you would come and that you would bring healing to bodies. Father, for the, those who need a touch in their mind, Father, we pray that you come and bring that healing touch in their mind. Father, for those who need a, a healing touch in their spirit, Father, we pray that you would come and bring that healing touch. Father, for those who are bruised, Father, we thank you that you're able to bring healing to those bruises. For those who are wounded, Father, we thank you that there is healing for those wounds. And so, Father, just lead us into your presence. Lead us into that place of healing. Lead us into that place of freedom, that place where we are set free to be who you call us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take wine together. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for the blessings that we experience through just being part of your family. Lord, that we are part of something that transcends time. Father, we're part of something that will enter into eternity and that will last forever. Father, we thank you that you're calling out your church. And Father, we thank you that we are part of that. Oh, Lord, I pray for every person gathered here today and for those gathered online. Father, if there are some who have maybe never made that decision to invite Jesus into their heart, to make him Lord, we were singing that song, He is Lord. And if there are some today, Father, who have never made you Lord of their life, who don't submit their decisions to you, Father, I pray that today would be that day. Father, that they would pray that simple prayer of surrender to you, of asking forgiveness from you, of asking that your Holy Spirit would come in and just take residence, take occupation. Father, we just pray that today would be that day in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. 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 It's great to see everyone today. Welcome. If you're visiting with us, it's so good that you're with us and uh, glad that you're here. For those who maybe just uh, joined us online after the welcome went out, welcome uh, to those who are online as well. We've been praying for those during the service who are sick and really I encompass in that, those who are going through difficult times, those who are experiencing loss. And uh, I pray that the Holy Spirit is that comforter to every single one. I do, I do need to do this whole photograph thing for track and trace. Um, so if you just want to say Wensleydale, thank you for that wee wave. That was nice. Don't know what's so funny, but there you go. Um, and just a reminder that on Monday we gather together on Zoom to pray. 
on at 9.30 in the morning and on a Wednesday night at the moment we gather together at 7.30 to pray again on Zoom. And uh, just to remind you that the 26th of January will be our missions focus on Zoom uh, for our prayer time. And uh, Jonathan Hutchison from Watoto is going to be joining us. Andrew Hepburn uh, will also be joining us. And uh, we're looking forward to just fellowshipping with our friends and just partnering the work in the work that they do. Now, the title of my message is already up today, but there is a subtitle to this as well. I'm going to be thinking about prayer today. Why am I thinking about prayer today? Because I really feel that as we begin another new year, we have this celebration, especially in Scotland, that when that clock strikes 12 on the 31st and we move into the first of the year, something happens in our psyche and we go, wow, it's the new year. And some people are really excited and some people get really depressed. Um, I don't know about you. Um, some people make all these resolutions and think we're going to do all these amazing things this year. And then by the time you get to this point in January, all your resolutions have collapsed in a big heap of cards. Um, but I want to think today about prayer because I think no matter what time it is, prayer should be of the utmost importance to God's people, to the church. Prayer should be of the utmost importance. And I want to focus a little bit today in the plurality that we see in the Lord's Prayer. I've hinted at this over the last few months. Um, and I want to quote again Gary Davidson. I, I quoted him last week. And he said in this church platform on one occasion, nothing of eternal value is accomplished without prayer. God is building his church. Jesus is building his church. He's building a kingdom. He's bringing that kingdom onto the earth. He wants to see his kingdom come, his will be done. He wants us to pray into that. But we will never do that unless we pray. And I said last week, prayer is the thread that runs through the fabric of everything that we do. Prayer is that single thread that runs through all of the fabric of everything that we do in church. And so prayer is incredibly important. And I came across an article in the Guardian newspaper written by somebody who wasn't a Christian. And they were getting alongside young Christians in their 20s and just observing what life was like for a Christian. And this person said this about prayer, that prayer is not a replacement for action, but a distinct act in itself. I thought that was an incredible observation for somebody who's not a Christian to make. And I want to say today, and this is the bottom line, and if you don't remember anything else that I say today, remember this one thing. There's power in the praying community. That's what I want us to remember today. There is power in the praying community. Now, we make some, uh, some assumptions about God when we come to pray. The first thing is that there's nothing that God doesn't know. There's nothing that God doesn't see. There's nothing that God doesn't hear, and there's nothing that God can't do. So when I come to God to pray, I'm already assuming that He knows everything, sees everything, hears everything, and is able to do whatever He decides. We don't come to inform God about something. Sometimes we approach prayer like that. It's like, Lord, come here to tell you about what's happening in such and such, or down the road at that church, or in society. God already knows. He sees it all, but He's asking us to partner with Him. And I think what we do in prayer is we're saying, 
I'm starting to see what you see. I'm starting to hear what you hear. And I'm starting to expect you to move in power in the way that I know you can. Prayer is a mystery. Prayer can be a bit of a conundrum at times. But we need to grasp the necessity to pray. We here in Whitburn Pentecostal Church are just a microcosm of the church that is alive and breathing today. A microcosm. I remember a number of years ago referring to our church as a little church. Because I think we are a microcosm, a tiny little part of what God is doing in the world today, but a significant part of what God is doing in the world today. And even in this little microcosm called Whitburn Pentecostal Church, I want to suggest that there's power in the praying community. We can make a difference. I I just wonder how we approach prayer. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. They must have seen Jesus prayed, and they wanted to know how to do it. Remember, this is before the crucifixion. It's before the garden. It's before everything that happened to Jesus that we've just been celebrating in communion. And they said, teach us how to pray. And it made me think about how we pray. Some of the things that we pray. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. For some of us, that's our prayer. I'm too important to begin through this. Get me out of this mess. Or as Chuck would say, I'm a legend in my own lunchtime. <laughs> and so, I, God, you, you need to act on my behalf. Or sometimes we pray, I've messed up again. Help. Or this is painful. Help. Sometimes we pray, I hate that person. Sort them out. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? (laughs) There's a challenge. Let's all be honest. And actually, I think there's a place for us to pray out our pain to God, even if the pain has been caused by another person. Not to bring judgment on that person, but to simply say, Lord, here's where I'm at. I've been wounded and need healing. But Jesus gave us a different kind of prayer. It wasn't a self-centered prayer. It wasn't a prayer that focuses on me. It's a prayer that focuses on us, the praying community. This week, I sent out an email to those who are on the church email list, a little ebook called The Universe in 57 Words. I highly recommend that you read it. That's the book that I started reading when I was on holiday last August. It doesn't take long to read. You can use it as a devotional. And there was just some things in that that really challenged me. The problem is that we can pray egocentric prayers, me-centric prayers, prayers that focus on us. God wants to elevate us to a place where we see the bigger picture, where we see the things that he wants us to pray for. And Paul talked about it when he wrote to the Romans. He said this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, and when he says time, he's really saying seasons, the suffering of this present season are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. All of creation is waiting for something to happen. We talk about climate change. We talk about global warming. All of creation is waiting for something to happen in the church. 
What about if that wasn't just about the second coming and that revealing, but God revealing something fresh and new in our day? And it's my conviction, uh, it's my conviction that God wants to reveal something of His glory to us. Not in the, some time in the way distant future when Jesus returns, but I feel, and this is my conviction, my heart, test this, pray about this, but I feel God wants to reveal something of His glory in the here and now. Jesus taught us to pray in a different way. He taught us to pray in a way where we have fellowship with him and where we enjoy fellowship with each other. You see, we derive strength from God as we pray, strength to carry not only our own burdens, but also the burdens of the world. And it comes out of that deep striving, that deep fellowship with God. But if we don't have deep fellowship with God, we're hardly able to carry our own load never mind somebody else. We're always asking somebody else to pray for us. Please pray for me. If we get into that place of fellowship with God and we pray to God, then we're able to carry our own burden. We're able to carry the burdens of other people. I think prayer is the very essence of that deep fellowship. I I think as a church, coming back to this whole word, season, The Greek word that's used in that passage is the word kairos, which doesn't talk about time as in chronological time. It's talking about a season of time. And I think as a church, we've been through a difficult season for a number of years now. It's been a long season of challenges for the church. But I believe God has been speaking about his glory being revealed. Father, I pray that you would come and that you would reveal your glory in this church. Father, that you would cause us to focus on you, to take our eyes off the problems and to stop talking to you about the problems. You already know the problems. Father, help us to begin to address the problems with your glory, with your power, and with your authority. And Father, we pray that you bring us to a place where we carry that authority, the very authority of God, where we can say, like Peter and John at the temple gate, beautiful to the man who was lying crippled, such as I have, I give to you, because they carried that authority and they were able to exercise that authority and enable your kingdom to come in that man's life. Father, we pray, lead us to a new place, a new place of seeing that demonstration of your glory and your power. It carried off in a wee tangent there. (laughs) Let's read the Lord's Prayer as we talk about it together. In this manner, and I'm reading from the King James Version. I was going to put up, sorry, the New King James Version, because I, I pray this prayer in the King James Version. When I was just a wee lad in the boys' brigade, that's what we prayed, the King James Version of this prayer, every single week when we were on parade. So that's what's drummed into me. So when I try to pray it in a different version, I just get confused. But I thought for the ease of everybody, I would would compromise and go for the New King James Version. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And what I want to draw your attention to is the plural nature of the language 
in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, give us. Everything about that prayer is plural until we're addressing God. Everything is about us. And if you read this in the original language, the Greek, this is how it reads. Father of us, give us the bread of us. Forgive us the debts of us. This is how it actually reads. It's fascinating. As we move on, it says, as we forgive the debtors of us. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into the trials, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. Every phrase in the Lord's Prayer is plural. And this, for me, as I read this last August, was transformational in the way that I thought about the way we pray, the way we address God. And I'm already using the word we, not I, the way that we pray together. Jesus gave the disciples a prayer. They asked for a prayer. How do we pray? And the prayer that he gave them encompassed all of them. And so it made me think, when I pray this prayer and say, Our Father, my mind goes all the way back to the things that I read in Scripture, all the way back to to Abraham, our Father. God was his father, the father of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, and it goes all the way back. And when I'm praying this prayer now, I'd say, Our Father, and I think about the people that existed millennia before I did, and I think this prayer connects me with them. When I think about this prayer and pray, Our Father, it connects me with the disciples who first began to pray this prayer. I wonder what it meant for them to pray, Keep us from the trials before Gethsemane, before the disciples deserted Jesus, before Peter denied Jesus. Keep us from the trials. You see that word temptation is maybe not the best translation because it's talking about trials, it's talking about the tests that come in our life. And so when I pray our Father, I'm thinking about the disciples. I'm thinking about how they prayed that prayer prior to the garden, how they prayed that prayer after the resurrection. Our Father. Wow, Jesus has risen from the dead. Something new is happening. When Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and they were praying, Our Father, they were praying ahead and maybe seeing the church that existed in the future. Us today, this microcosm of the church that not only exists today, but has existed through time, always has exists now and will exist in the future. When I pray, Our Father, I'm thinking about those who've given their life for the faith. I think about the martyrs, many down through the centuries, some in that early church. And when you read the accounts of what happened to some of these people in the early church, you go, wow, I'm only playing at this. Such a price that they paid. And when I pray, Our Father, I think about those who were giving up their lives. And I think, wow, Our Father? What do you think about my brothers and sisters? When I think about the martyrs, I think about people today. 
who live in their lives in such a way that they put themselves at risk simply for believing in Jesus. When I pray our Father, I think about all the small people like you and I who've existed throughout time, who've been faithful to God, and nobody ever really remembers them or knows their name. All the small people, when I say our Father, I think about the masses of people that that connects me with. I think about the great leaders of our nation, Christian leaders, those who led in church, those who led in our nation, those who lead in business, those who lead in media, those who lead in sport, those who are faithful to God in their position of leadership. And we all see those people and we go, wow, fantastic, keep going, we're right behind you. Do we pray for our Christian leaders in government? Excuse me, <coughs> government. Do we pray for our Christian leaders throughout the world that we live in today? When I pray our Father, it connects me with all of these people. We don't just pray about ourselves. We pray for us. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And as I was thinking about this, I read another book called The Lord and His Prayer by a man called N.T. Wright. And this is what he said when he was referring to the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is the musical genius who wrote the greatest oratorio of all time. We are the musicians captivated by the composition ourselves who now perform it to a world full of music and cacophony. Apologies if I've not pronounced that correctly. Muzak is the background noise that we hear in the supermarket or in the lift. You've all heard lift music or you've seen it on the TV. If you, you know how that, that kind of awkward move, moment when you're in the lift with something you don't know and there's that do, 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 wee tune playing in the background? Well, that's what, it's, that's what he's referring to. And, and life is full of background noise. All that stuff that goes on continually and the noise level can increase to the point where we don't hear God. Cacophony is that harsh, discordant mixture of sounds, and we hear that in our world today. We hear it, sadly, amongst the leaders of our nation today, that discordant sound. And in the middle of all that, we are those musicians captivated by the composition, and we begin ourselves to play along to the tune. For those of you who are oldest older enough to remember Larry Norman. Does anybody remember Larry Norman? And that song that he did called The Tune. If you've not, Google it. It's fantastic. It just demonstrates what I'm talking about today. But I want to give you a practical demonstration, okay? I want to give you a practical demonstration. What if... The guitar is perfectly in tune. And we're saying that as Christians, our lives should be in tune with God, okay? So this guitar's in tune. Because I was playing it earlier on and I made sure it was in tune. And I'm playing the right chords. And I'm playing alongside the band in C today. And we're playing in harmony together. Hopefully, I get the chords right at the same time as everybody else gets the chords right. But I can play the right chords in the wrong place. And it sounds absolutely awful, doesn't it? I can be playing the right thing, but in the wrong place. 
Or, if I do this. Oh, how awful does that sound? It's almost in tune, but not quite. I'm not going to be able to do a song at the end now. (laughs) But do you get the point I'm trying to make? When we're playing in tune, when we're praying in harmony together, where we're saying the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. When we're praying that prayer, we're praying it together. And there should come a noise from the church that is a harmonious noise, a harmonious sound. I'm going to put this down now and switch it back off again. (laughs) And I wanted to further illustrate this. But let me just sum up what I'm saying there. In our lives, if there are things in our lives which aren't right, and we get them right by confession. If there are things that aren't right in our lives, it means that when we begin to pray, there's a discordant sound coming from our lives. Things can be wrong in our lives, and it just causes us to sound off. And here's the thing. We might not be aware of it, but the reality is that probably there are a whole bunch of people who are aware of it. Have you ever asked for feedback from another Christian and said, how do you think my spiritual life is just now? What does it look like to you? Have you ever asked MD that question and waited for the answer? That's a big question to ask. It's like saying to somebody in the band, do I sound out of tune? Now, I remember Ray Stokes coming here years and years ago, and he picked up my guitar and he started playing it, and he recognized right away that it was just a fraction out of tune, as it is at the moment, just a fraction out of tune. And when you're used to hearing it in tune, the minute something goes out, you go, it's just not quite right. And that can happen in our lives as well. And I, I think it's why we need the communal aspect of church life to keep us in tune, to keep us praying together and sounding as we're supposed to sound as we pray. Imagine the church praying in harmony. It's like listening to an orchestra. All the different players, all the different sections, the double basses, the cellos, the violas, the violins, the woodwind, the brass, the percussion, the harp, usually over at the, your left-hand side. And the piano is normally over that side as well, this big massive grand piano. And somebody at the front called the conductor who makes it all come together in time at the right pace. And I was thinking about the way that we approach the Lord's Prayer. And I was thinking about that quote, from N.T. Wright, about we are the musicians playing the tune that God wants us to play. I wonder, what do we sound like when we pray together? 
Does it sound harmonious? I want to give you another example, okay? An example of an orchestra playing. I don't know if you listen to orchestras at all. I don't know if you've ever listened to Nicola Benedetti. This is Nicola playing lead violin on a piece called Meditation from Thais, if that's how you pronounce it. I want you to just listen and I want you to watch as well. Watch the musicians. They're fully engaged in playing. And remember that the musicians who are playing on the screen here and who you will hear have practiced and practiced and practiced in the private place before they come together in the public place to perform. And I think that's what I want us to grasp for our Christian lives. We need to pray in the private place, but we also need to come to the public place to pray and make that sound that comes to God. And I, I think it's when that sound goes up that God is wanting to respond and show something new of His glory. Let's watch this little video and listen to it as well. today. <laughs> There's power in the praying community. And that's just an illustration of an orchestra play, playing together who've practiced in private, who come together to perform in public. I'm not saying that prayer is a performance, but there's something about when we come together and we pray, and there's that harmonious sound about our prayers that I think God responds to. When our lives are in tune with God and all that He's doing, and when we come together and we become the praying community, I think it's an invitation for the power of God to come and to do some of the things that he wants to do. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a lot of power coming against the church. This prayer doesn't only include others our Father, but it includes everything that makes us who we are, body, soul, and spirit. We pray about bread, and it's more than just physical bread. It's about God's provision. We're looking for justice, your kingdom come. We're looking for physical needs to be met, and we read about that in the forgiveness and in the healing that comes through being forgiven and forgiving others. Our emotional, psychological needs are met in the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever thought about this whole thing? 
that when we do something against God, it's, it can bruise God. Have you ever read that verse where it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit? If we were listening to an orchestra playing and all the violas were out of tune with something else, we would be listening to it like that. We'd be like, oh, switch that off. We need to be in tune. We need to be in that place where we are who God has called us to be. People who are called out, who are living differently, who are set apart, who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, who are moving forward in the purposes of God. And we pray that prayer. As we forgive others, as we forgive others, plural, plural, as we forgive other people, as we forgive people when they have bruised us. None of us have been bruised or wounded to the extent that Jesus was when he died on that cross. But as we pray that, we're really praying that God will heal us as we allow other people to be healed. We pray for our spiritual needs. Don't lead us into the trials. Don't lead us into the tests. And I'm like, Lord, we've had enough trials and tests. Please, don't lead us into times of trial. And how do we pray together? Just let me give you a few examples. We pray together at the table. If you don't do this, can I encourage you to do that? Sit around the table, have food together, and pray God's blessing. God to thank God for the food and pray his blessing over that food. Pray together at the table. Pray together as a family. Pray together as a couple. Pray together in groups. Pray together as a congregation. Because there's power in the praying community. And if the church lacks power, and I'm not just talking about the little microcosm here, I'm talking about the church. There are some parts of the world where the church is thriving, growing, experiencing the presence of God, the supernatural presence of, the go- of God. And there are some parts of the world where it's not thriving. And part of the reason might be that we're not a praying community. But I believe God is calling the church to the place of community prayer. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing as I listen to what's happening around the nation, as I listen to other leaders speak, as I listen to other leaders pray. This is what God is calling the church to do, is to come together and pray And I'm going to say something really, really, really challenging here. And I mean this in the right way. I mean this in a way that encourages. But there are some people where your seat in the praying community is empty. Regularly. Your seat in the praying community is empty regularly. Imagine the orchestra. If there were sections missing. It just wouldn't sound right. Imagine the orchestra if nobody turned up but the conductor and he hits his baton on the the thing and he goes, oh, wait a minute. There's nobody here. There's nobody here. What? I actually had this panic moment that you were getting married yesterday and I'm like, I got the wrong date. I got the wrong date. And I'm like, I can't have got the wrong date. Settle yourself down, man, because we're all going to that and I wouldn't have got it wrong. There's moments where you go, I'm supposed to be somewhere and I'm not there. 
because it has happened to me where I've had a meeting with somebody and didn't turn up because I got the day wrong or the time wrong, and somebody phones you up and they say, where are you? And I'm like, I'm really sorry, I totally forgot. I've got it wrong in my diary. And I'm like, there's a time when we come together to pray, and I want to encourage us all to be together to pray so that that sound comes up from the church here, this little microcosm of the church globally, worldwide, not only that is in existence just now, but has existed from the time the church began 2,000 years ago, all the way through the centuries, through the highs and lows of the church exist now, and will continue to exist as new people come to know Jesus. If we don't pass that on to them, they're never going to know. If we don't go out and reach and make disciples, there is not going to be a church in the future. But there is going to be a church in the future because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But it starts as we come together as a praying community. And I believe that this year is the year where God is calling us into that public setting, the community setting to pray, to, to come together, not just our church, but the church the church is coming together to pray. And I think it's part of what God is doing in the church right now to stir up the church to pray. Because as we do that, the things that we're really looking for will flow out of that place of wholeness. I'm going to finish by saying this. Will you take your seat? Will you pick up your instrument, your voice and your heart and join the symphony of prayer. Father, that is my prayer today. Lord, that we recognize that each of us has a place in that orchestra. Each of us has a part to play, whether big or small. Father, regardless of how we view things, Father, we all have a part to play in your church. Father, that you have called us to be your disciples. You've called us to live on planet earth today and to be people who make a difference. And Father, we can only do that as we recognize the, the, the utter importance of prayer, not only when we're doing that personally and privately, but Father, also as we come together publicly in community to pray. Father, when we raise our voices and when there's that harmonious sound of prayer, Father, I believe this is what you're looking for in your church. And Father, where we struggle to pray, help us to pray. Father, where we struggle to be willing, make us willing to be willing. Father, help us. We know that prayer is hard work. We know that it's hard work, but Father, help us to pray. Help us to pray in the way that you are looking for your church to pray as we enter into a new year. Father, as we enter into a new season, as we enter into a new time, Father, we pray, stir up our hearts to pray. Help us not to feel condemned or to feel guilty, but Father, to feel encouraged to know that we can make a difference in what you're doing. Father, that we can pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, give us today our daily bread. Father, we ask that you would forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Father, help us to forgive those who've bruised us, those who've wounded us, those who've inflicted pain on us. Father, that we might experience the forgiveness that comes from you. Father, don't lead us into the trials. Don't lead us into the tests, we pray. Lord, take us out of this difficult season and lead us into a new season. And Father, we pray.
that you would just be glorified in your church. Father, we pray that you'd be glorified in this church. Lord, that you'd begin to do what's on your heart to do. Father, that every single person in this church will be able to find a way to be involved and to be part of what you want to do, seeing your kingdom come in this community and the surrounding communities. Father, as we pray, as we seek your face, and Lord, we pray, lead us into the things which you have for this church. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. And I hope that you do indeed have a fantastic week. And if you want to chat about anything, feel free to drop me an email, pick up the phone, you know where we are. But have a great week and the Lord bless you. Amen.